All right, Ephesians 4. First 16 verses, hear these words. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Wow! It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Sounds scary. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Oh my goodness, so much there. So, we've now entered the second half of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And if you've uh, been around for the, first, uh, for the first half, let me uh, just remind you of, of where we've been. Just a brief, brief, brief little thing here. Um, for those of you who haven't been here for that, uh, this is just a brief thing. So the first half of the letter, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, is all about our identity in Jesus, as Jesus people. Who are we? So the theme in chapter one is remember who you are. The theme in chapter two is remember who you are. The theme in chapter three, the last chapter of the first half of the letter is remember who you are, right? So that's the first half. Now we've entered into the second half. In the second half of the letter, uh, the theme goes essentially something like this. Uh, in light of who you are, this is how you ought to live together. This is how you ought to live with one another. In light of who you are, this is how you together ought to be in the world. And, and this is my favorite one. In light of who you are, this is how you ought to organize yourselves. Sounds really compelling, doesn't it? This is how you ought to organize yourselves. Yeah, not so much, but actually it's, it's really, really important. So this morning, we're going to talk about how we organize ourselves. And we're going to be using terms. We're going to be start talking about 
uh, things like elders and, and deacons, and I'll, I'll explain more about this. We're going to focus sort of on leadership in the church, what that looks like, and how it sort of uh, affects the whole body, as Paul calls it. But any discussion about leadership in the church has to start with what? This is Sunday school answer back when we were little. Jesus. It, leadership in the church, any discussion about leadership in the church, it's got to start with Jesus. Any action that leaders in the church take must begin with Jesus. If the things we do in this place don't start with Jesus, guess what? Eventually, we're going to wind up scrapping the whole thing and starting all over again with Jesus. It has to start with Jesus. Now, uh, I realize I just said this not too long ago, but I'm going to say it again because why not? I can. Uh, this thing we call faith is a journey. This thing we do together called church, it's a journey. We're journeying together. And it makes sense too because we call ourselves followers of Jesus, right? If we're following Jesus, we're on the move. We're on the go. We're, we're on the way. We're moving from one place to the next place, which means change is a constant Sometimes we don't like change, but let's just be honest about it. Change is a constant if we're following Jesus. And as any good person who specializes in the discipline or the art of navigation will tell you, the first essential thing you need to be able to do is to find any, posi any position at any place at any point in time, which means, to say it another way, we need a reference point. We need a fixed reference point. Now, before we had things like GPS and complex navigational, navigational equipment, what did we have? We had, we had maps. Before, what else did we have? We had magnetic north. You know what a compass is? Or we had the north star, the pole star, right? Now the north star is fixed in the sky like, like no, no other star, right? And it can become a way for us to sort of navigate uh, the North Star, if you're lost out at sea and you don't know where you are, you don't know where you're going, and you cannot see any land, you've got no reference point, what do you do? You look up, you find the North Star, and at least you know what direction you're going in, and if you need to change course, you can change course if you're lost in the wilderness. You don't have a map, you don't have any complex, you don't have your phone with you. You're like, oh no, what do I do? You look up, you find the North Star, you know which direction you're going, and at least you know whether or not you need to make a turn. The North Star is always there, and it never changes, right? It's always there. It's a fixed reference point. Jesus. Jesus is our North Star. Look, Christianity is a relationship religion, right? And the primary core relationship is a relationship with Jesus. Everything we do here depends on on that relationship. In a world that seems to change at the speed of light, we need a fixed reference point. We need a constant. If we lose sight of Jesus, we're lost. We're wanderers. We don't know where we're going. There's this story in the Gospels about Peter uh, getting out and walking on water. So they see Jesus coming towards them. They're like, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no, it's not, you crazy people. Peter, why don't you come, come walk to me on the water? And it's kind of windy and wavy, and he gets out on the boat, and he's walking on water. Kind of crazy, right? And he's fine as long as he's looking at Jesus. And then the story is very deliberate. 
all of a sudden he turns his eyes from Jesus and he looks at the wind and he looks at the waves and what happens? He sinks, right? So leadership, discussion about leadership begins with Jesus. And Paul had a clear sense of this too. If you, if you look at the beginning of this book that we've already covered, he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. It also appears that he is writing this letter to the Ephesians from prison under Roman guard. And he clearly understands that he is in prison under Roman guard because of his connection with Jesus. In the beginning of what we read this morning in chapter 4, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord. He is a prisoner for the Lord. In verse 7, he says, but to each one grace has been given to us as Christ apportioned it. It's like, start with Jesus. A little later on in verse 11, he says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be preachers, pastors, teachers, and that list goes on and on. Leadership in the church begins with Jesus. What happens if someone, he says, listen to what he says. He says, Jesus is the head and we are the body. What happens if somebody separates your head from your body? That doesn't end well. Leadership begins with Jesus. Right? So here's the deal. This isn't my church. Nope. Not my church. People, this isn't your church. Nope. Oh, you're welcome here. I love the fact that you're all here and we all get to do this together. But no, this is not our church. This church belongs to Jesus. If what we say here and what we do here doesn't sound like Jesus and look like Jesus, and for that matter, if it doesn't smell like Jesus, if it doesn't feel like Jesus, if it doesn't taste like Jesus, then we probably should take a good hard look at what we're doing and actually wonder whether or not it's actually from Jesus. Leadership in the church begins with Jesus. He is our North Star. So, if leadership in the church begins with Jesus, where do we people fit in? I'm glad you asked. That's a very good question. You all are really smart people. Well, here's the deal. God has always chosen people. He's always chosen to use people to accomplish his will in the world. From Adam and Eve to Abraham to Moses to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other Mary, and a whole bunch of men and women throughout history up until now, up until you, people like you and me, God has always raised up leaders through whom he has worked to accomplish his will in the world. So when we start talking about leadership in the church, we start talking, we start using these, these terms that we're going to start using here in the very near future, terms like elders and deacons and pastor and other leaders uh, of other ministries in the church. When we start using terms like that, we start talking about leaders, we're talking about people who only do what they do under the authority of Jesus. He is our North Star. This church belongs to Jesus. Now, I want to make something very clear about, uh, about our denomination's understanding of uh, our system of, we could say, government. We could say polity, which is a fancy word for talking about this stuff. Or we could just say uh, our, our, our denomination's uh, way of organizing ourselves, which I think is the best way to say it. So, Sometimes the way we do things, and lots of churches work this way, 
uh, the way we do things in the church and the way that things work themselves out is we think about the way that we organize ourselves in, in it's democratic in nature, that is the rule of the people through representatives. So people will elect elders and deacons to be the leaders of the church so that we can then lobby them to make sure that they make decisions about how the church is going to be according to the way that we want it to be. And sometimes that's the way we think. That's not the way things work in the church. And sometimes that's a difficult thing for us to understand because we're like, democracy is the best government in the whole wide world. Maybe. But that's not the way we organize ourselves. Why? Because this church doesn't belong to us. This church is not our church. We're not the ones who are in charge. So our system of organizing ourselves, we can think of it like this. It's a Christocracy. So it's the rule of Christ, the rule of Jesus, through representatives. Does that make sense? The rule, it's not the rule of the people, it's the rule of Jesus through representatives. It's Christocratic, so elders and deacons and pastors and other people who are leading ministries in this church are called to represent Jesus to the people and represent Jesus through the people to the world so that we all together can become the body of Christ or the presence of Jesus in a world that is lost and broken and so loved by God. Does that make sense? I hope so. If you have questions, talk to me later because we don't have time to stop right now. So now with that being said, here's, let's talk a little bit about what it means to be a deacon and what it means to be an elder because these are offices that, again, we're going to be starting to talk about because as we build this structure, as we Paul talks about growing and maturing. We're going to sort of begin to structure ourselves so that we can do this on our own. Okay, so we're going to start talking about elders and deacons and what does that look like. Uh, so we're going to start with the office of deacon. Right? In the beginning, when the church was just this sort of loose web of connection of Jesus people trying their best to follow Jesus, a problem came up. So some people went to the original 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, and they said, hey, look, y'all, we have a problem. The widows in our community, some of the most poor and poorest and most vulnerable people in our community are not getting enough to eat. In the daily distribution of food, these people, these women who can't necessarily take care of themselves are not being cared for. And so this is what, you can find this in Acts chapter 6, by the way. Uh, you can read that later or now if you want to. I don't care. So this is what they say. The original 12 said this. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they're like, oh my goodness, if we do that... We're going to neglect this, so we're going to empower some other people who are really good at this and gifted in this, and we're going to be able to continue to do what we need to do, and they now can take care of this issue. So, they did. And the first seven who were chosen are the first deacons. Get that. The first deacons were chosen to care for the most vulnerable people among them. They were chosen to make sure that the daily needs of the weakest members of the community of society were met. That's why the office of deacon was created. Now, I want to read to you 
a little bit about what our denomination says about the office of deacon, right? As we grow and mature, we have to be clear on where we're going and what we're doing. So listen to this. And these are so good, by the way. These words are so good. We have the best words. Okay. The office of deacon is one of servanthood and service, representing Christ through the action of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? The office of deacon is one of servanthood and service, representing Christ through the action of the Holy Spirit. In the local church, deacons are chosen members of spiritual commitment, exemplary life, compassionate spirit, and sound judgment, who are set apart for a ministry of mercy, service, and outreach. Mercy, service, and outreach. Now, oftentimes what happens in churches is deacons become the money people. They collect offerings and they count them and they make sure that all the finances are, are in order and all the money's being spent. And that's not why deacons were created. Read the story. We're talking about the ministry of mercy, service, and outreach. Mercy, service, and outreach. Here's some more words from our denomination about the office of deacon. Again, we have the best words. The Board of Deacons. I'm trying to make this as interesting as I can. <laughs> the board, because this is important stuff. It really is, as we grow mature as a body. Listen to this. And I'm not kidding about having the best words. This is amazing. The board of deacons shall serve those in distress and need. The deacons shall minister to the sick, the poor, the hurt, the helpless, shall aid the victims of the world's abuse, and shall express the social concerns of the church. They shall oversee and carry out their work as those concerned with the redemption of humankind. Wow! Does that sound important to you? Yeah. They shall carry out their duties as people who are concerned with the redemption of humankind. Oh my goodness. That's good stuff. That's important work. So what kind of people among us are deacon people? What kind of people are deacon people? They are people who get all geeked out on things like mercy, service, and outreach. There are women and men among us who have their hearts bent on serving the world. They are women and men whose lives are characterized by an extreme compassion and a radical love for the least of these. They are women and men among us who are already living that out in their lives. We as a body, we are called to be the presence of Jesus in a world that is hurting. And, and that right there is a, is a deep deep concern. It's hidden deep within each of our hearts, even if we don't recognize it yet. And the people who are called, charged, commissioned to lead the way for us are people we call deacons. Mercy, service, and outreach. They're concerned with the redemption of humankind. So how does this play itself out at Renew? How, how, do, how do we do this? How does this play itself out? Well, right now, we've got seeds of that taking place. Seeds that will continue to grow. Right now, we have this team called the Out Team, or the Outreach Team, or the Mission Team. We haven't really decided what to call it yet, but we'll get there. And this team is charged with leading the way, finding ways for us. So organization is important. How we organize ourselves is, 
important. These are the people who are called, charged, commissioned to lead us in finding ways for us to serve out there in the world. Remember what we did back on Labor Day? A bunch of us were here on a Sunday, and we went and we shopped at Walmart together. We had a blast, and we, we got like a, over a 1,000 pounds of groceries and goods. And then later in the week, we delivered that stuff over to Micah to replenish their food pantry, and we had a blast together that came from that team, right? So right now, that team, they are functioning as deacons. We just don't call them that yet. Okay, are we clear on deacons? They're out people. Let's serve. Let's make a difference in the world. Let's partner with whatever it is that God is up to in the world. Out there. Okay, now, let's move on to the office of elder. Now, there's a long tradition going on behind this, all the way back to the Israelites when they were lost in the wilderness. The Israelites gathered the wisest and most mature among them to discern God's will for the community. And that tradition was sort of continued on in the synagogues of Jesus' day and then throughout the church uh, until our day, today. So let me read to you what our denomination says about elders. In the local church, elders are chosen members of spiritual discernment, exemplary life, charitable spirit, and wisdom grounded in God's word. They are set apart for a ministry of watchful and responsible care for all matters relating to the welfare and good order of the church. They are to study God's word, to oversee the household of faith, to encourage spiritual growth, to maintain loving discipline, and to provide for the proclamation of the gospel and the celebration of the sacraments. They are to empower all members to live out their Christian vocation in the world. So who are those kinds of people among us? Who are the elder people? These are people who are characterized by spiritual maturity. And I want to say this. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with the amount of gray hair on your head. Nope. How old you are, how long you've been around. Spiritual maturity has everything to do with humility. Be humble. Be gentle. Bearing with one another in love has everything to do with humility. Elders are ready and willing to use their God-given gifts and have this sort of It's almost, can we use the word spooky? Or maybe uncanny is a better way to put it. They have this uncanny ability to sense what God's will is. We know people like this. They're open people, not closed off people. They're open people who are sensitive to others. Elders have the responsibility of making sure that everything we say and do around here is connected to the word of God and probably more importantly, the character of Jesus. These are women and men among us who have their hearts bent on this thing we call discipleship. People becoming more and more like Jesus. These are women and men among us whose lives are characterized by wise living and a deep understanding of the mysteries that we find in scripture. That is what it means to be an elder. So how does that play itself out at Renew? How does that play itself out here? Well, again, we have seeds of this happening that will grow 
and mature along with us. Right now, we have this team called the Focus Team. We meet every month. This team comes alongside of the staff here at Renew to make sure that everything we do is connected to Jesus, to make sure that what we do and where we're going is focused on who we say we are and how we ought to be in the world, right? So right now, these people are acting as elders. We just don't call them that yet, but we will. And it's going to be fun because we have to do things like ordain people as elders and deacons. That, I haven't been able to do that in, oh, in five and a half years, six years, and that's like one of my favorite things to do because it's weighty and important and it's actually a really beautiful thing. Okay, I got one more point to make. Verse 11, it was Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. And now here, here might be the most important part. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the measure of the, full, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So get that. Leaders in this church, elders, deacons, pastors, staff, other leaders of other ministries like Renew Kids, Renew Kids Club, nursery, hospitality team, parking team, greeting team, leaders in the church are there to prepare the rest of us to become the kind of people God wants us to be and to do the kinds of things that God wants us to do so that each part, y'all are a part, so that each part does its work. There's things for you to do. There's places for you to belong. There's ways in which you can contribute. They prepare the rest of us so that we can attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ so that we can be the presence of Christ in a lost and broken world that God so dearly loves. You can kind of think of leadership in the church as a good coach. Think of them as a good coach. When I was in, in high school, I was a sophomore. I think I may have told this story before. If I have, sorry, you'll hear it again. So I was a sophomore in high school. I was on the JV team, and they invited me to ride the pine on the, on the varsity basketball team um, And for the last few games of the year because our season was over. So they said, here, why don't you suit up and sit with us, and you can sort of feel what it feels like. And uh, so the last two or three games, I rode the pine for the varsity, and it was kind of exciting for me. But then uh, we got to the last game of sub-state before state, and we lost. Uh, then I remember being in the locker room, and Coach Larry Lee Lawler, I'll never forget this. He comes up to me, and he sits me down, and he says, Aaron, I want you to remember what it feels like to lose this game, because we don't want to lose games like this. This was a big game. And he said to me, he believed in me. He said, Aaron, I think you can be a big contributing factor in next year's team, raising this team to a different level. And he said, if you do the things I tell you to do, if you practice the way I tell you to practice, then we're going to be really good. So I did the things he told me to do. I practiced the way he told me to practice because I listened to my coach, and I trusted him, and so did everybody else on the team. We came back the next year and lost our first game and never lost again. That's what good coaching can do. Gets everybody in the right place at the right time, doing the things they're called and gifted to do. And the results are so 
fun and amazing and beautiful. So think of leadership in the church as a good coach, right? Only more than that, they also get in on the game too. They're like player coaches. And Paul was specific about this. Look, this isn't our church. Doesn't belong to us. Doesn't belong to any of us. It's Jesus' church. It belongs to Jesus. But Jesus calls and gifts certain people to lead so that everybody sort of fits and has a part to play and contributes in their own way. Think about it this way. It's how your body works. If something's not working right, you know it. And it doesn't just affect that one thing. Sometimes it can affect all the things in your body. And it messes everything up. And it becomes miserable. Well, think of it like this. You're a part of this body. You're a contributing, beautiful, wonderful, important member, indispensable to this community. You're part of what makes this go. It works with the body of Christ, too. And when everything is organized and running properly, we wind up attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, right? Which means we bust out of these walls and we affect our community in some pretty amazing ways, individually, but also as a whole, as a group. So we're going to keep working towards that and we're going to keep organizing ourselves in ways that will lead us to that. Sound good to you? Are you with me? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the ways in which you speak to us. God, this image of body is, is, a, is such a great image, and we're grateful for it. And God, so we pray that, that each one of us is different. Each one of us is a part of the body. Each one of us is gifted in, in our own different ways. And we ask, oh God, that you would, that you would continue to, to nudge us, push us, pull us, do whatever it is that you have to do to, uh, to reveal to us what part we have to play. And God, help us to own who you've made us so that we can contribute. Not for ourselves, not so that, not so that we just become something awesome, but so that we we partner in what you're doing in the world and so that we bring transformation where transformation is needed, so that we bring healing where healing is needed. Help us, oh God, become the kind of community you want us to be, the kind of community that shares your love and grace and healing and forgiveness with the world. Make it happen here, God. This is your church. Make it happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up.